Stacy and I were watching one of those um, like home you know renovation shows this week, and um, and in one of these homes they were building like this entire wall of custom bookshelves because the people who lived in this house you know when they first like came in you know, did their like you know walk through they just had stacks and stacks of books like all over the place they were like crazy about books and so they were you know building all these shelves for them and. And I was thinking about that uh, because, I mean, if, if you were to go to my office right now, you'd see, like, bookshelves, and I have, you know, quite a few books there. But honestly, I, I did not grow up with, like, a love for reading at all. Uh, it was not something that was sort of ingrained in me from childhood. I, I don't recall, like, you know, reading or being read to or any of that kind of stuff, um, and, and, and in fact, I mean, I knew that, that like, okay, there's probably a, a few books that, that, you know, like were significant in my childhood, but I couldn't even recall them off the top of my head. And so I, I went online and I looked up children's books from the 70s. And, uh, and, and I started looking through it and all of a sudden, you know, there were a few of those. I was like, oh, oh yeah, I, I remember this. Like, like, for instance, do you, how many of you remember this book? <laughs> yeah, it's a classic from a classic era. Um, and, uh, and, and, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Probably what I liked most about this book were the pictures, right? Um, because they were cool, and there was a monster. Um, but, but I do remember, you know, like, like this book and kind of, you know, reading through this. Another one that I came across I was going through was this one. You remember that? Uh, so, you know, it's like it went down on that one. But... Um, Alexander, the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Uh, and uh, at least for me, as I, as I, I saw that book, I said, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. What I remember about that or what it was kind of relating to him, <laughs> you know, and, um, and, and it just kind of goes through and just kind of his perspective through this, you know, book of how bad life is. Um, I, I guess I kind of, you know, related to, you know, this kid. And so um, as I was sort of going through and looking at these, I went, okay, so, so there were at least a couple of books, a few from my childhood that I remember liking, reading, you know, kind of thumbing through. Um, but then when I entered middle and high school, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I only read when I had to for school. It was a chore. And even when I had to, I didn't always do it, right? I mean, there were like classes where like, you're supposed to read this or English class, you're supposed to read this book. And it's just like, I'll take a zero on that one. I just, I just... I just was not into the only, and that was like teenage years, the only book, and it wasn't really a book, that I remember like reading diligently was this one right here. <laughs> and that's the one from my era, from the 80s, right? And, and so how many of you read this book? Yeah, and the book lit, right? Um, I read this thing over and over and over, and I memorized and memorized because I was absolutely committed to walking out of the DMV on my 16th birthday with my license in hand. And I did, by the way. But So, so that was one book, book that I read <laughs> and I was passionate about when I was a student. And then uh, I, I graduated from high school. I entered college. If any of you got to college, it's like all of a sudden, like you had to um, read, you know. And I was like, I read more books in college than I had no doubt read in my entire life up until that time. And, and it was sort of like one of those things where, you know, in high school, I could sort of get, get away with like not reading. And in college, it was like I had to. In fact, in many of my classes, I, you know, I had to sign off and say, yes, I actually read all of these pages. It's like, I can't lie, you know, and I got to write down. And so uh, reading became like a, like a major thing in college. And then, you know, Stacy and I, you know, right after college, we get married and we, we read some like marriage books in preparation for that. And then, you know, years later, um, we, we read another book in preparation for having kids. And it was this one right here. How, how many of you read? Oh, yeah. What to expect when you're expecting, right? And so it's like, oh, this whole new thing. And so you're, you're reading through, you know, this book, trying to figure out what in the world's going to happen. Which, by the way, no book can prepare you for. So, 
Um, it was way more than what uh, they told me to expect, for sure. And, um, and, and then throughout my time in, in ministry, I, I began to grow in my uh, desire for um, you know, reading. And so I've read dozens and dozens of books and uh, highlighted and marked up books that God has used to inspire and to help me along the way because books are a powerful means of, of gaining information, understanding, insight that we need, that we need for life, right? Um, but there is one book, there is one book that rises above them all. And in fact, it is, it is in a completely different category than all the other books that I have ever read in my life. It is the book that I started devouring, one of the only books that I devoured um, starting at the age of 13. In fact, this is it. This was my very first Bible in the front here. It says that it was given to me on Christmas 1981. 1981, so that was about two months after I had committed my life to Christ. And so this is quite literally my first Bible that I had as a follower of Jesus. And if you look through this, you will see that there are highlights and underlines and notes all through this. Because the one book that I devoured as a young person was this. The Bible, because I knew there was something different about this than any other book that I had ever read. This book changed my life. It was a book that I realized was different because it was alive, that there was something working in it in my life, and it reveals the truth. It reveals the truth about God and the truth about me. There's something special significant about this book. In fact, listen to what this book says about itself. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I love this picture. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is alive and active, and it has this ability to cut deep into our souls. This is like no other book. It is inspired. It is the Word of God. And it contains... Everything we need to know and follow Jesus. Everything we need. It doesn't contain everything about everything in this world. It contains everything we need to know and to follow Jesus. And here's the thing. None of us, none of us has the wisdom that we need for this journey with Jesus at the beginning. None of us does. And so that wisdom must be garnered all along the way as we follow him. And so God, knowing that, in his great wisdom, said, I am going to give you, in writing, the wisdom that you're going to need. And all along the journey, it will be alive and active in you to help you follow me, know me, understand me. Because the fact of the matter is, is in our own selves, we just don't have the wisdom. We don't have the wisdom to be the friends, the spouse, the parents, the employee, the, the person that God has called us to be. And so God, in his grace, has communicated everything we need to know about him and about ourselves in a book in a holy, inspired book. In fact, again, here's what this book says about itself. 
as Paul is writing to a young pastor named Timothy, and he says this to him in 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. It is helpful. It is necessary. It is enriching for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's breathed out by God and it is to your profit and to your gain and mine to help us, to guide us, to speak to us and to equip us for everything that God has for our lives. But this is not some divine how-to book. Many read it that way. But it's not that. It's never intended to be that. This is the voice of God. Speaking. And it communicates to us what he has said and what he is saying. Even to this day. And it is our primary means of hearing from God. If you know God, if you have come into a relationship with Jesus, then there's no doubt there's something implanted in you that says, I want to hear from you. And this is the primary way in which we hear from God. Not the only way, but it all comes back to and is supported by what he has already communicated to us in his word. He is speaking. He is always speaking. And the question is, are we listening? As we start off this new year, we have decided to take a few weeks to talk about our time. Right? Oftentimes at the beginning of the year, you think about your time and what you're going to do with your time, and so we're talking about our time. Last week, Tim started us off with a great message about our time in community, right? And he talked about um, how God's Word communicates that we need one another. We need relationship to help us grow, that there needs to be a time that we devote to one another to grow in our relationship with Jesus, And then today, what I want to talk about is our time with God. Specifically, our time, or more specifically, even your time, invested with God, listening to Him speak through His inspired Word, through this book. Today, we're going to talk about that. And then next week, um, my wife Stacy and I are going to sort of tag team teach about our time in prayer, about what that looks like. And so so today we're going to talk about our time with God, meaning our time listening to God speak to us through this book. Now, as Tim said last week, I need to say it again. There is nothing new. There is nothing new that I can possibly say today that many of you, or maybe most of you, have not already heard. In fact, I have stood up here many, many times over the years, and I've talked about the importance of this. I've talked about the importance of engaging in and listening to what God has said. So there's absolutely nothing I could say today that's going to be new or, wow, that's amazing. I have never heard that before. But here's the thing I need you to understand. Hearing about this is not the aim. Hearing is not the aim. The goal is to personally engage in a back-and-forth conversation with the God who loves you and has something to say to you. That's the goal, is to personally engage in that conversation, to hear what God is saying. And one thing that we know is that all healthy relationships require communication, right? Every friendship, every marriage, any any relationship that we have requires some kind of communication, 
talking, listening, engaging, responding, that's how relationship, relationships grow and deepen, right? That is true in every relationship, including the relationship that God wants to have with you. Communication is a key. And if you know and follow Jesus, then you have been given a gift to help you communicate with God. It's not as if God just said, well, good luck. I, I, hope, you can, I hope you can get through. You know, I hope you can figure it out. No, no, no. God said, I want relationship with you. I've paid for my relationship with you. I've provided a means to have relationship, to hear from me. And, and he's given us a gift. He's given you, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's given you a gift, and that gift has a name. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Who helps you hear God speak through his word. Who helps you respond to what you are hearing from God. Who helps you discern truth from lie. You've been given a helper, a gift. In fact, listen to what it says in the book of John, chapter 16, about this incredible gift. It says this in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, speaking of Holy Spirit, He will guide you in all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Jesus is speaking here, by the way. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You have been given a gift, Holy Spirit, to take what is Christ's, what is Jesus, his heart, his thoughts, his mind, and to communicate it to you. That's incredible. So really, what we've been given is two significant gifts. We've been given this gift. The gift of God's inspired word written down for us, combined with the gift of his spirit to teach us, to guide us, to bring this to life in our own hearts so that we can communicate with the God who loves us. And our role in this is to be present and to listen to what he's saying. So here's my ask. Here's my ask today. Will you make your presence with God a priority this year? Will you make your presence with God a priority? Because here's the thing. Communication is necessary for a healthy relationship, right? We just said that. And communication requires presence. <laughs> Confession time. More often than I care to admit, Stacy will say something to me. Are you ready for this? And I won't hear what she said. I know how weird is that. And, and here's the thing. I don't mean I don't physically hear like, I can still kind of like hear. I, I mean, I know that there were words coming out of her mouth. Right? I was there. I was present. But I oftentimes am not present. You understand that? You understand that you can be physically present, but not present. Not engaged. Not listening. And I'll just confess right in front of all of you that more often than I want to admit, I'm present, but I'm not present. And she'll say something, and I'll be like, what was that? Or later on, she'll say, we talked about that. And I'll go, oh, yeah, we talked about that. 
Uh, sometimes, when I'm present, I'm not present. And here's the thing. We can do that with God, too. We can be maybe physically present, but not present. Not engaged, not listening. Our hearts and our minds can sometimes be far off. And we're not present. And if we're not present, then we're not communicating. And if we're not communicating, then our relationship is not growing. It's that simple. So that's why I ask you, my ask for today, will you make your presence with God a priority? Your presence with God a priority. Setting aside regular times when you disconnect from everything else so that you can connect with God. Will you do that? For me, personally, that happens best in the morning. That's just how I'm wired. In the morning is when I'm most sort of alert and awake and present and there. And, and that's the time that I have chosen to be present with God, to listen to what he's saying to me. But here's the thing. In order for me to do that, because I am just as easily distracted and maybe more than you are. I have to shut my computer off. I have to mute my phone. And I have to pray. And I just have to come in and regularly I will just come to God in the morning and I will just say, I'm here. Holy Spirit, help me listen. Help me listen. Because I know, I know myself well enough to know where I can even say I'm here, but my mind can be somewhere else. I can be thinking about the next thing that's going on and this thing that's happening and what I got to do tomorrow, you know, later on this afternoon. And I could go through all of the motions and never be present. That's the key. Now, in past times that we've talked about this, that I've shared about this, as we talked about listening to God speak through his word to us, uh, on many occasions I have I've taught you a, a method of doing that um, called SOAP, S-O-A-P, as a means of helping us listen to what God is saying to us, right? Um. If you don't know what that is, um, and there's nothing wrong with it, um, it's just, a, it's just a, a method, just a way of listening, of, of responding to God in, in writing, and, and SOAP is just a way to remember that, S standing for scripture, right, as you read through scripture, that you may come to a place that's sort of like something stands out to you, and so you write that scripture down, and then O is observation, that you sort of write down, you know, what is the observation about? What is being said here? What's going on here around this verse, around this passage? What, is, what's, what do I observe? What's happening? And then A, to write an application. How does this apply to me? And then to end, P, with a prayer, sort of a, a response, right? Just I'm responding to what God is saying to me. Now, if those steps have helped you actually listen to God and keep doing it. Please. Whatever will help you listen. <coughs> but here's my concern. My concern is that a method or steps like that can easily turn into a spiritual list to check off. I did my S-O-A-P. Right? And so you sat down and you, you wrote and you did the thing, man. S-O-A-P. I did it. Check. 
And here's the thing. You could soap over and over and over and over again and never actually be present or actually listening. Right? And so, so I, I just want to say today, I'm not going to teach you a method. If a method helps you listen, then use it. But the goal is not to check off a list. The goal is not to do S-O-A-P. The goal is to be present and to listen to the God who loves you and has something to say to you. Okay? So today, rather than giving a, a, a method, I want to share some practices that I have found helpful. And maybe not even necessarily in this order or whatever, but just practices that I have found helpful in being present and listening to Jesus. And, and it's not rocket science. You're going to look at this and go, are you kidding me? This is like kindergarten. Yes, it is. And what I have found in my life is this. Is that the things that have most helped me engage with and listen to Jesus are the most simple things in the world. They're not complicated. So let me share a few practices that I have found helpful in listening. The first one is time. To set aside a regular time to be present and to listen to Jesus speak to you through his word. I don't care when it is or where it is. Just prioritize a time and a space where you can be present. Can you do that? I know, we all have stuff. We all have things going on all the time. But in any relationship, it takes some work to communicate and to be present. And the same thing is true with God. So just make a time. And I would encourage you, I think it's helpful, just the way we're wired as human beings, to make that a regular time at a, in a regular place that you do that. You know, I, I don't know, I read somewhere that it takes 21 days of doing something over and over again to create sort of a habit. Like your, your, your mind just sort of goes, okay, this is what I do. Um, and, and so I just encourage you to figure out a time and a place. For me, it's in the mornings before I start working. That's just how it works for me personally. But whatever it is for you, find a time. A time when you can be present. Another listening practice is to read. God's primary way of communicating with you is through the Bible. And so we need to read it. Or, or at least listen to it. Right? Some way, have it you know, come in to you. And I think that it's best when you're reading the Bible to have some kind of a plan as to how you're going to read it. I don't really care what that plan is. It doesn't really matter what the plan is. I just think that we need to understand that this was never written or intended to be a fortune cookie for your life or mine. Right? Just little snippets, one little verse, one little, just make me feel better. Just give me some kind of, like, hope, some kind of, it was never written to be. This is a letter from God about God written to you. So, so like any letter, like any writing, the, especially these individual books, are written with order in it. And so read it in that. That doesn't mean you have to start at the beginning of this book and read all the way through. It's not like literally like this because this, this is really not, we call it a, a book. It's really a, a combination of many books, right? And so each individual one of those books, that, you know, of the Bible that we call a book of the Bible which is what it originally was, ought to be read like together in, in some kind of a, an orderly fashion, right? And so I would encourage you to have some kind of a plan. We have a plan as a church. May or may not be helpful to you. It's called Our Time with God. It just simply helps you walk through the entire Bible in a couple of years. But it may take three years or four years. That's okay. Um, but I just encourage you to have some kind of a plan. And, and, and so you might sit down and go, okay, I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to start in the book of Matthew. I'm going to read through. Okay, do that. Don't put a time frame on it. Just say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start. It might take me six months. It might take me a year. It might take me two years. That's okay. If, my, my two cents, if you, you choose to read out of the Old Testament, I would encourage you to supplement that 
reading with maybe some, a psalm or maybe something from the New Testament as well because the reality is sometimes people go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start at the beginning of the book. And you start reading in Genesis and you get to like, you know, two or three books in and it's like, I am dying here. What is happening? And it's just all these names and numbers and like, oh, man. And then we just throw it to the side. Um, here, here's the thing you need to understand about the Bible. It is all equally inspired. It is not all equally applicable to your life. It is all equally inspired. This is all God's word. But it's not all equally applicable to your life today. Okay? And so, just a caution as you do that. Have a plan. Some kind of a plan. One other thing that I would encourage you to do, especially if reading the Bible has not been, frankly, um, a regular thing in your life, I would encourage you to get a study Bible. You just look it up. You know, look on Amazon or something, study Bible. All a study Bible is, is in the margins. It has some notes that can help you. That can go, here's the context. Here's what's going on right here. Here's what this word means. Right? And I would encourage you to read, a, 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 get a version of the Bible that is written in, like, English that we speak. My first Bible here, King Jimmy. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, back in the day, there, there was only so many, you know, anyways, that was, that was the deal. But uh, I don't read a lot of King James anymore. It's just, it's not how it was written for how people spoke in that day, and we speak differently. It's not, it's not more inspired. It all comes from the same inspired original documents written for our understanding today. So, as you read, I want to encourage you not to read for getting it done. I want to encourage you to read, and as you read, if you come across something that stands out to you, that raises questions for you, it stops you for a moment because you prayed, Spirit, would you please speak? Then stop right there and think about that. Ask the Spirit to, to reveal to you, why did you stop me here? What is it about this that stands out? What does this say to me about God or about myself? And take some time to think on that. And by the way, something doesn't have to stand out. There, there are many times when I'm reading through and there's nothing that just like shocking, crazy, I've never seen this before kind of stuff. But most likely, something you're going to read is going to say something about God or about you. The last thing that I would encourage you to do, the last practice that I've used that has helped me hear from God is to write. Write. Have a notebook, a journal, and write what God is saying and what you are hearing. And in order to hear what God is saying to you now, you must understand what he was saying to them then. Does that make sense? In order for you to hear what God is saying to you now, you need to understand what God was saying to them then. That's why context is really important, right? God isn't going to say something to you that he wasn't saying to them. So as you're writing, thinking about, God, what were you saying? What's going on? And God, what are you saying to me? I would encourage you, I do this, when you're writing, to write in first person. Oftentimes I think that we can put ourselves on the outside looking in as if that we're just sort of like an outside observer and we write in such a way like we're just saying, making statements about what's going on. I would encourage you, because remember, this is a conversation with God, right? This is a relationship. And so write as if you are speaking with Jesus. That's how I do it. I just write in first person. What I mean by first person is I'll just write Jesus. I, I notice something in this verse today, da-da-da-da, I'll go on and say something about it. So I would encourage you to write as if you were speaking to, what I'll often say to, to my you know, small group 
is I'll, I'll say, imagine yourself sitting down and having a latte with Jesus. If you're into lattes, whatever. A Coke or whatever you want. You're sitting down with Jesus, literally having a conversation with him. He's speaking to you. And this is what he just said to you. And now you're responding to him. How would you say it? How would you speak to him? You probably wouldn't speak like from the outside looking. Well, I, well, I observe that. You'd say, Jesus, this surprised me. Or Jesus, I wonder about this. So write like that. Write about what you notice, about what you question, about what amazes you. Write your responses to the truth. Write what you hear the Spirit saying to you personally. And you might be thinking right now, this last one, Jim, I, I, was, up, I was with you right up until you said write. Because I'm not a writing kind of guy. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a journaling kind of girl. Listen, neither am I. I this, is, this is not natural for me, writing stuff down. I'm not, a, I'm not a writer. I'm not a journaler by nature. But I'm also not a person who remembers what I hear. So, I write it down. I write it down so that I can process it and remember it and return to it later. That's why I write it down. Because let's just be honest. If you just read through... And even if you sense God saying something to you, I, I challenge you that do you really remember what you heard an hour later? Four hours later? Probably not, because life just happened. And so if in that moment you wrote it down, then you can return to it. You can wrestle with it. So I would encourage you to write it down. It's helped me listen. So make a, make a time, pray, read, write. These practices can help you hear what the Spirit, your helper, is saying to you as he guides you and comforts you and empowers you to follow Jesus. Now, I, 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 I want to stop right there for just a moment because um, I've just talked about some practices that I think help us listen and I know that that can be mysterious, and we can even build up in our minds like we got to be writers, and it's got to sound like really amazing. And so I want you to hear some examples. There's some people in some groups in our church who are um, making a habit, who are making a discipline, a, a conscious effort of journaling their times with God and listening. And, and I've asked uh, a couple of them to share today just one page out of, out of what they wrote in response to God. So you can hear that it's just normal stuff that regular people can hear from God, okay? So I'm just going to randomly walk through the crowd and ask you to read out of your journal. No, just kidding. <laughs> Ashleen, thanks for willing to share your deepest, darkest secrets right. with us. Right. Go ahead, share with us. Okay. Ezekiel 36, it's the second half, um, 18 verbs to show us how you, Father, will initiate, sustain, and fulfill your plan for restoration. It says, I will take you, gather you, bring you, cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put them in you. I will remove your heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and obey my rules. I gave the land to your fathers. You shall be my people. I will be your God. I will deliver you from your uncleanliness. I will summon your food. I will make it abundant. I will keep you from famine. I will make fruit increase. I love that 17 of these 18 verbs are future tense and that these plans and promises come on the heels of a chapter of a list of Israel's guilts. While I, too, am unfinished, I love that these promises are a reminder that you never stop working. Thank you for repeating and teasing out your promises for me. I need that. You are the potter, and I am the clay. I certainly feel like dry bones today, and I'm yearning for a renewed spirit of passion and purpose. Show me where I am to focus. Show me where I need to stop and where I need to go, where I need to lean on you more. Show me what I am carrying to cause 
heaviness so I can release it to your trusting hands. Ashleen, my daughter, you are a delight to me even when you think you're not. My love for you is unstoppable. Amen. Thank you. You happen to sit in the same row. Don, share with us. Matthew eleven twenty five through 26. Thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. This really happens in group all the time. You're like, what did I write? Um, <laughs> revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Father, I praise you for your gracious will. I can so easily see how bitter my life would be without you, and I thank you that you graciously chose me and have not been content to keep me where you found me, but instead challenge my beliefs and ideas with your truth. Thank you for taking this little child and raising her up to be your witness and beloved daughter. You amaze me. Dawn, you have always been my daughter. I chose you before the foundation of the world. I'll share one from this week from me. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, I love your response to this paralyzed guy. On the surface, it seems clear what his need is. He is confined to a mat. Friends had to carry him around. He needed physical healing. But Jesus, you were given insight into this man's heart and his deepest need. And what he needed more than anything was forgiveness. I wonder how he responded when he heard those words, forgiven. Jesus, I am profoundly grateful that you knew and you always know what I need most. You met me so long ago, broken and hurting, and you gave me what I needed, forgiveness. And you have continued to cover and cleanse me every moment since. I hear you saying afresh today, Jim, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Thank you. Thank you. We share those today as just an example that is just hearing and responding to God and writing it down. Because here's the thing. We don't come to God and say, God, you've got five minutes, download. Right? Give me it all, everything I need for the next month, right now. It's not like that. It's a conversation. It's a relationship. And there's little bits and pieces along the way that he communicates. And you know what? He may very well want to say something to you today because he sees what you're going to experience, what you're going to walk through a month from now, and he's preparing you right now for what's going to happen if we just listen. Let me bring this to a conclusion. Let me bring you back to the question. Will you make your presence with God a priority this year, this week? He loves, listen, he loves, he loves spending time with you. He loves listening to you. He really does. Even if it's complaint. And he has life-giving things that he wants to say to you. There's a beautiful picture in the Bible of a woman who made listening to Jesus a priority. And she's commended for it forever in Scripture. We find it in Luke chapter 10, and it says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. 
And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In response to this passage, Wayne Cordell writes this in his book, The Divine Mentor. What Mary has chosen... Her decision to cultivate her relationship with Jesus above all else would never be taken from her, not for the rest of her life, not for eternity. I want you to hear this, that when you choose to listen, to be present with Jesus, what happens in that moment, what happens in that time will not be taken away from you, not ever. Just think about how many things in your life it's just time wasted. It's just time spent. It's just time gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's taken away. Jesus said, this time that she sat and listened to me will never, ever, ever be taken away from her. And I believe that every time you and I choose to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen to him, that that time will never be taken from you. Not Ever. So, will you make your presence with God a priority? That's my ask. I believe that's the ask of Jesus today because he longs to be with you. Now, I'm human, you're human, and I know how this works. We can be in a situation like this, and you can hear this, and there can be something, the Spirit of God prompting you and saying and filling you with a desire, a hunger to do this. And by the way, I don't believe that what the Spirit of God is saying to you is you should. I believe he's trying to fill you with a desire to want to. You should. It's like, I should do this. Well, do you want to? I pray that you'll want to. And I know how it works. You're, you're, you're sitting here right now, and there's something inside you that says, ah, I do, I want to listen, and I, I just haven't been consistent with doing that. I need to do that. And then you walk out of here, and you go, well, uh, i got to get a journal. i I gotta, I got to figure out. And then in time, you know, a day or two or three or five or a week goes by, and it's gone. So, so I have done something to try and help you. I have no reason today to walk out of this building without everything you need to listen, okay? So back in the back, in the lobby, on the way out, right on the right-hand side, there's a little cart thing there that has Bibles in it. They're always there. And, and if you don't have a Bible that is yours to take home, then take it. It's yours. It's there for you to take. If you don't have a plan, on the desk, on the left-hand side going out, there are, our, it's called Our Time with God. It's just a plan you don't have to do it exactly. It's just a plan that can help you start tomorrow. And then right next to that, there are a bunch of these journals, just lined, simple journals that are there for free for you to take. If you want to say, I want to begin listening and recording and writing what's being said, then they're right there. Just grab one on your way out. I pray, I pray, I pray that you will make your presence with God a priority this week. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing over you as you go today. Father, I ask that you would bless this church family right now with hunger, with a hunger for you, with a deep, deep desire to be with you, 
and to hear what you are saying. I pray that you'd bless the people in this room right now with ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you are saying. I pray that you'd bless the people in this room with the courage to make you a priority above all else. It was a courageous thing that Mary did that day to stand against all the things that were clamoring for her to do and to sit at your feet. And I pray that you'd fill us with the courage, that you'd bless us with the courage to do that. Bless us, bless this family with great joy in hearing you speak, with great faith in responding to you. And I pray that you would bless us, that you'd bless this family with a deepening, intimate relationship with you, Jesus. Bless us with that, I pray, as we choose to prioritize listening, being present with you. So speak, speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Family, before you go, I've been so encouraged by people who have been coming up and receiving prayer after services. We have a team who will be up here after service. If there's something going on in your life that you want prayer for, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you. See you next week.